Hello and welcome to the Digital Works Oral History Podcasts. This series is called The Weekend Millionaires, an oral history of the Thames Lightman. London Primary School children interviewed 24 Thames Lightman to explore their working lives on the river. I can honestly say that you'll probably hear the same from other Lightman. I never had a morning where I woke up where I got up and thought, oh, another day at the office, you know. Used to love it, couldn't wait to get there. Thinking about it, I'd have done it for nothing, really, because I enjoyed it so much. It was a community within a community. Everybody knew of one another. You went to mills together, you worked together. It's drilled into you how, how important you are on the river and how important the river is. And to the guys on the River Thames, they are better than Wayne Rooney is at football. You know, they are complete masters of, of what they do and they think that is the best job in the world. There's not, there's not a better job in the world for them. Episode two explores the working lives of the lightermen once they had gained the freedom of the river following their apprenticeships. The joys and pain of work on the fiercely tidal river and the everyday stories of their working lives. When I finished my apprenticeship, I became a freeman of the River Thames and I was able to work from Teddington down to the lower reaches at Lower Hope. I would say it's been about 70, 72 miles, something like that. Well, they're revered around the world, the London Lightman and Warmer, because, because the Thames is so tidal, it's, it's, it, it's such a pace, it, it, it flows at such a pace. These guys were just, uh, that I've learned my trade off. They never stop learning, they never stop learning until they die. But they're just, they're, they're awesome, awesome to watch, you know. Oh, yeah, all these skippers in those days when I was coming up through the ranks knew exactly where someone else was shaping for, would know by the craft that they're towing, where they were going, and uh, there was a great insight. And they would also know uh, by the state of tide whether to expect uh, ships to start coming up, because obviously once the start, tide started flowing, you would get small ships coming up into the port of London. You used to be able to walk across at certain times from Tower, Tower of London to the other side, which was Hayes Wharf, on barges. There were so many barges there. It was very, very busy. And when we used to tow down to the docks, you could be waiting outside a dock 12, 14 hours to actually get into the dock because the locks was continually working with ships and ships coming in and going out. There was people rowing barges about, you know, there was ships coming in, there, there was ships on buoys in the River Thames with barges alongside loading cargo. The lighterage companies then, you had companies like Humphrey and Gray, which had about half a dozen tugs, probably two, three hundred lightermen, Mercantile Lightridge, another big company who I eventually was working for for about ten years. Uh, Thames Steam Tug Lightridge, all these were very big companies with lots of lightermen, lots of barges, there were barges everywhere. Uh, so it was very, very busy, a real um, bustling port. So you had to have your wits about you as a, as a tug captain in those days. The, the company I worked for had a big fleet of what we call insulated barges. They were the barges that carried um, uh, butter, cheese, meat, and things like that. And then they had fleets of general cargo barges, which were just ordinary hatch barges. Then they had fleets of 
barges that carried tea. And the tugs run like trains. You, a, a tug would pick up six barges from Tilbury and three hours, 20 minutes later, it would be in London. And that's towing about 2,000 tonnes. You kept your eye on, on the barge being loaded. That was what your job was, supervising the loading, that it came out, you know, that you're not going to sink the barge with the cargo you're putting in it and that it could travel properly, safely, without taking water on board. They like, like you had a barge in the, say, King George V dock, which is at, at Woolwich. You put the barge in and, and the crane driver would be up in a crane. He'd lift up what they call a set, like a board and that, and they have all these boxes of tin fruit or whatever you like on it and they bring it up, bring it over, put it down in the barge and the doctor would take all the stuff off and what they call stow it, stow it in the barge. They used to call out to us, uh, light up, what do you reckon like, blah, 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 you know, and we'd say, yeah, all right, okay mate, go on, carry on. And you, they had the uh, coordination between both of you that you were doing the right thing. It's your job, if you saw the dockers that were going to use hooks or they were not handling the cargo in the way that you needed it to be handled, you had to tell them about it. Well, they were piecework, so the more they did, the more they got. And if you started interrupting, saying, no, 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 I want that done this way, and it slowed them down, you were not going to be very popular, were you? Very grimy, to say the least. That was 1951 I started, so the war had finished in 45. And so nothing had changed since the bombing of the war. Uh, there was no modernisation, everything was old-fashioned. Steam tugs were still around, lots of them. Steamships. Uh, the river was polluted. Everything was thrown in the river, so it really smelt and it was terrible. But there was a, a community, and as I said earlier, the great reason of it was a close-knitted community because we all had a common enemy. And the common enemy was the river, the water. saying on the Thames is a, a command of our superiors, which is above the, uh, the crest, and it means, and our superiors are wind and tired. That is, that, that was, that, they're your bosses. You get your phone call where to go to work and stuff like that, but that's your bosses, the wind and tired. Our industry was one of the dangerous industries in the country. In 1959, we lost 19 men between September and Christmas. Through bad weather, uh, people being washed overboard, or um, slippery decks, or in one occasion where boys fell over the side and freemen dived in and to save them. There was no sense of health and safety at all. There, I mean, there were no life jackets, there were no life boys. There were, people just didn't think that way you were expected to look after yourself. We used to take barges down to Thames Haven and Shell Haven and sometimes we'd be down there in a false 10 or 11 gal. The waves used to come up over the barges and a couple of times in that you used to wash you along the deck and you'd grab hold of something so you didn't go over in, in the river like, you know. Worst days on the river I suppose was blizzard, fog, uh, those sort of days and it was a uh, and very wet days, of course, it was pretty dreadful. And I remember my first day in a, 
in a tug at 14. It never stopped raining all day. And, and we, you know, by that time, you know, although we had protective clothing, it wasn't quite as good as it ought to have been. And by the end of that day, I thought I'd made a mistake. I'd gone into the wrong profession. Uh, one winter, the Thames started freezing over. All the ropes, when they got wet, went solid. The only way you could undo them was with an axe or a saw. Not a lot of comfort, if you know. They had a cabin on each barge, but it was only just a bit where you didn't shelter. If you got stuck on there, you couldn't get ashore. You get cold, you needed some, you could find a bit of wood and coal and make a little fire, perhaps, you know, and keep yourself warm until the tug come to pick you up. Early mornings, late nights, uh, occasionally unpredictable hours. I suppose the elements were the worst thing. You know, there was jobs where you would come home with mud in your hair, mud in your eyelashes, mud everywhere. Um, I'm famous for my painted fingernails, and I used to have to paint my nails every night because they just were damaged every day. I was lashing a barge up with a tarpaulin, and the string broke, the lashing. What pulled the apart, strand of the rope. And I'm pulling the lashing, and it broke, and I've gone in backwards, and I didn't know where I was. It was dark and, and I blew. I remember my training at library school, <sighs> bubbles. And the bubbles told me where the surface was because I didn't know where to go to swim to get up. And when I broke the water, water surface, two of them uh, working friends was there, they pulled me out. As you say, that time, you see, then convoys were lower convoys outside of Deptford was you'd do the ship there. My father was one in the barge ready and I was the other in. And it was about that much of us on the ground he did. And it was a long drop down, about 20 foot down in the water. The ship was just not touching the ground. And I walked along the top and I fell off the top, right down in the water, about 20 foot. And of course I'm floundering about and I've got my overcoat on, my boots on, and I'm floundering about there, can't do nothing. And I'm, I think, blimey, I'm sinking. So I'm fighting to get over to get over onto the pile, see? Anyway, I managed to grab hold of this pile and get up. And as I got up, I thought, funny, I could stand on the ground. <laughs> I could have walked over there, I didn't know, see? Well, there's no great, um, we had no life jackets then. Um, and I did fall in the Thames uh, just the lower side of Tower Bridge at a wharf called Colonial Wharf. When I stepped into a shadow, thinking it was, it, it was a, a, a pontoon arrangement which would enable me to get aboard a ship, go up the ladder, over the ship, to my barge that I was supposed to be manning. Um, so I fell in the Thames. I didn't attempt to swim, I knew I couldn't do that because I couldn't get my boots off, couldn't get my duffel coat off. So I was really saved by the, the Metropolitan Thames Police Division who had spotted me in the water. In them days, you, you had to be, if, they chucked, if, they, if you fell over and they got you, they took you to the hospital and pumped you out because the river was a bit onky-pooky, you know what I mean? Your idea, the, the, the ambition that if you did go in the dock or the river was to get out the dock gates, out the dock, enclosed docks, without the policeman seeing you, so you could go home. 
and have, have a bath and what have you at home. But if the policemen see you, they took you to hospital. There was also the danger of ships hitting tugs, being a much smaller vessel, they were sometimes hard to see at night. The modern poly, poly ropes have an enormous elasticity in them. If they break, they come back and they cut people in half. You've got no chance, so, yeah. It's very dangerous out in the river and very dangerous in the docks. Things falling on top of you, falling off of sets, falling, you know. Container falls on your head, <laughs> you're not going to survive. <laughs> Loading marble, like, sheets of marble, like big as that screen, okay. And about that thick, you know, just to put it in the bulge. And you could only stand it up, you couldn't, couldn't lay it down because it'd break, you know. So you had to stand it up. You know, we were standing out one day and it's long barge, which is a narrow barge, and they're standing it up. And uh, old, I forget his name now, he's down the old, like, helping them stand it up. And the barge is, the, the weight has put the barge over like that. It's come down, chopped him in half. Uh, chopped him in half, it did. Or well, they did. There was more than one come down. That was pretty awful. It was pretty horrible. I'm Lighterman Tom, a Tilbury town. I'm known as the Jolly Bargee. No sailor in chap in buttons and cap could teach me a lesson, not he. Why, I've followed this river, this same old river, since I was a youngster of nine. And from Twickenham down to Tilbury Town, they know this old vessel of mine. Well, you may sing of your life ashore, you may sing of your life at sea, with a yo-ho-ho -ho for the winds that blow, but that's all fiddly-dee. I reckon I'm fancy-free, and the song for the likes of me is hay for the river, the jolly old river that carries your old bargee. Close-knit, incestuous, everybody knows everybody. Um, everybody knows everybody's family history. Everybody knows if, you know, that person's great uncle or great granddad scabbed a strike or you know crashed into a bridge or sunk something you know everybody I suppose you've got a pre there's preformed ideas about everybody what family they're in but that family are grafters that family are jerkers that family are fast you know that family are slow so there's it's a small community over a very huge geographical um, distance and you know there's something very comforting about talking to someone that remembers when your dad was born and when you was born and when your children was born you know these are long-term relationships they're mates you made mates at work and then days you don't forget them it's a bit like what my dad said it's like you go when you're in the army you make when make mates there you never forget them it's that sort of comradeship with it well, if he was in trouble, you go and help him. No matter what, wouldn't you? No matter if he's wrong, you go and help him. And if you, uh, in our day, if someone become a foreman, 
If they took the phone out, that was like being a traitor, wasn't it? It was more um, of a way of life than more than a job. And the camaraderie there was, uh, was brilliant and still is today. And then when you was outside the dock, waiting to dock into the dock, there'd be all the other tugs and the barges and there'd be all your friends that you knew and guys you hadn't seen for a while and you'd all be chatting and saying, Where have you, what have you been doing recently or lately? Yeah, and some of the lads used to get down and play cricket in the hold, you know, and uh, there was a bit of, some of the older men, they used to fight down there quite, they used to have like sort of um, boxing matches and things like, especially if they didn't like, you know, the, like a, a, a grudge sort of fight, but, you know, something like that went on, you know. It's like being with a family all day long, but they're all men. <laughs> um, a tug has got um, kitchens, a galley it's called on a, on a tug. Um, you know, you've got, some tugs are big enough, you have the, your own room, you know, your own cabin, so you can get, have a sleep if you're working 24-hour shifts. When, when, when we used to load the barge over at uh, Delta Wharf, which is over the other side of the river where, where the, the dome is now, a thousand ton barge was being loaded. Uh, we'd set the chute up and then we'd, we'd shoot over to the pub and watch it. It used to take five hours to load. So we'd shoot over to the, the gun, have a, couple of, have a couple of glasses of beer, and then we'd go back over and uh, finish loading the barge. We knew that if there's what pub or the lightman go to, doesn't matter what, we're up and down the river, you knew what pub or what coffee shop they'd be in. Just around the corner was this little calf. <laughs> well, of it was the bottom end of an old house, see? And there was two old ladies, I think they was older than me, in there. And I went in there one day and um, she said, Mavis, get the cat off the attic, the man wants his breakfast here. <laughs> How the cat was a kip on the attic. <laughs> well, the, the firms used to have a what are called Beano once a year, and it was a day when the customs had a holiday, so we couldn't work anyway. But we used to go on a, get this coach, and had all the all the men of the firm went to Margate, and of course they carried a lot of beer and all that with them, and stopped at nearly all the pubs on the way. And you imagine what state they were probably some of them when they got there. But we used to go to Margate where the old Dreamland Park is now, and spent a day there, and uh, that, that happened every year. You was allowed to things like uh, tea. You used to bring all, all, all the tea uh, used to come into London, loose, loose tea, and it was quite expensive at the time, and the sweepings, like that was where, the cake, where, where, where tea seeped out of the cake, tea chests, the sweepings, you used to be allowed to sweep that up and put it in a bag and take it home or give it as a tug. Yeah, a lot of pilfering went on. I mean, look, I didn't ever done any pilfering. I was a good boy. But it, it was open to uh, abuse like that. Uh, the custom barges. Um, although they were locked down with these locks and these beams going across, but some people used to find a way in them. I mean, I need something about some people. And, uh, they said sometimes help themselves. You always tell when they help themselves because the time they got down to the docks, they were flat out drunk, you know. But uh, I mean, obviously, I've never done anything like that. I know they had um, Thames police, and the police would stand on the door, and the men came out, they would pick them and see, search them. There was a funny story of an old lighterman. This, this is the, the good stories. Of, um, there was a lighterman who was. 
he was nicking stuff because the reason the docks were formed was to stop pilfering on the Thames. That's the reason they 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 built docks. So in the dock, the the the, the guy was walking out with a wheelbarrow every day. Walk out with his wheelbarrow, and 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 the dock keeper had, had stopped him, and he'd go through the wheelbarrow gear, and, and he'd go, "Have you like you nicked anything?" And all he'd go, "No, no, nothing," and all that. Anyway, so he's, he'd go out every day like that. So anyway, the, the the dock master said that he's coming, he's, he's retiring next week, and he and he, and he called the lightman over and he went, he goes, I know you're nicking sink. He said, but every time you go out, like, you push the wheel back, and this this you know, he, he goes, I'm, I'm retiring next week. I won't say, what is it? What what what? what how are you doing it? What are you nicking? He went, wheelbarrows. I used to love it in the mornings, first thing, when we used to get underway, make the tow up, and we'd be going downriver. And you're facing east, obviously, so the sun is coming up. And the glinting on the water, uh, that, that was nice. Best part was the summer. Uh, and if you were on a long tow, say you run from Woolwich Arsenal, where uh, I used to sail from, round to the River Medway, um, six barges with an underpowered tug, that could take up to five or six, up to 11 hours sometimes. And so you had plenty of time to read. The books that I read um, in the cabin, when not on the long tow like that, you feel free, nothing, uh, you know, nothing's to concern you. Uh, you know when you get there, you wall the barge up and you get on a, a, a train home. Or, or if it's too late to catch the last train, you just simply sleep in, in the barge or on the tug. On a brilliant sunny day, where you want to be is over on the barges because on the barge, there's no noise. On a tug, you've got a massive diesel engine. So what you do is you go over onto the barges. You get the, onto the back of the farthest one away from the tug, so it's nice and quiet. And all you can hear is the water rustling under the, under the boat and bubbling as you're being towed along. I'm not saying we were drunk all the time. It was just uh, the majority of the time was spent in pubs, and uh, yeah, because on your downtime, you know, because you, you just with your mates, you didn't want to go home. You never wanted to go home. You just want you, you, you tow the barge up. I used to have a pair of flip flops and a pair of uh, they were not pants, but and I used to just I had flip flops and and that's all I used to have. And I used to make the make the craft up, put me bridle out, which is two ropes like that, put me stern rope out. I used to jump on board the tug. And me and Bertie Andrews, who was Colin Andrews' son, the, the guy I'd done my first day's work with when I was 16, and then all them years later I'm working with his son, and we'd sit on the casing on the front of the tug, and he had the steering thing that he, you could bring out, and it was the left and the right button to make the tug left and right. We used to be horizontal on the tug, going down seven hours all the way down to Queenborough. It was wonderful. It always seemed like it was sunny, but it always does. All, your, all the best memories are it's when it's sunny, aren't they? listening to The Weekend Millionaires. The project was developed and run by Digital Works. The interviews were collected by Year 6 children from St George the Martyr and Westminster Cathedral Primary Schools. Music by Vincent Burke. 
Lighterman and Tom was sung by Peter Daniel. Thanks to all of our interviewees, the Museum of London Docklands, the National Maritime Museum and Waterman's Hall. The project was funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and Unite the Union. The podcast was produced by Digital Works. Please join us for episode three when you'll hear stories of the working conditions of the lightermen, the role of the union and the gradual decline of work on the river. Mm